welcome to the Experiential Education Podcast. This week, I'm talking with Andrew Moss from the YMCA 4C Centre in Christchurch. Andrew has years of experience in industry, Originally working for a software company which designed products for harsh environments, he worked on a number of defence projects. Later on, Andrew retrained as a teacher and brought his technical know-how to a whole new generation. Andrew later on moved from Australia to Christchurch in New Zealand and is now helping young creative minds find their passion and leverage the learning and makerspace available to them at the YMCA 4C Centre. For our New Zealand listeners, you'll be pleased to know that I'm not going to try to pronounce any more Maori words at any point during this episode. However, that doesn't mean I'm not going to do it next time I visit, once the travel ban's been lifted. I do, however, apologise in advance, as the sound quality at times is a little poor. Being a YMCA centre, a group of young people turned up and decided to have a party outside where we were chatting. Despite that, this is yet another wonderful thing about the diversity of the YMCA Centre, and it really was interesting to talk with Andrew about this unique space. So thanks for talking with us today, Andrew. Tell us a little bit about your background and experience and how you ended up at the Christchurch 4C Centre. Well, my, my background from when I graduated from university is was really a computer engineer. So I, I loved technology from when I was about six years old. And uh, I worked for a computer company for about 25 years, making the company made uh, computers for harsh environments. So things like stuff that had to work in, in very wide temperature ranges, vibration, space, under the water, that sort of stuff. So I got my hands wet on working on fighter jets and tanks and submarines and space stuff. So I did that for, for a good number of years, and then after a while, I thought, oh, I might get into teaching. So I went back to university and got a teaching degree and worked in Canberra in Australia as a robotics and unmanned airborne vehicle teacher. That was kind of a introduction to taking all the technical background that I did and interfacing it with young people. And I found my passion with technology combined with being able to share some of that passion with 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 young people was lots of fun as well. When we moved to New Zealand, I was looking for some things to take that even further, and we found the 4C Centre, which is a centre which allows young people to experiment with all kinds of technologies. For our listeners, what does the 4C stand for? So the 4C Centre stands for Curiosity, Communication, Creativity and Critical Thinking. Really, those are the, the pillars of why the centre exists. It's not about the technology that we have in there, but it's all about the way we think and, and the way that we are able to use technology in the real world. We did a little walk around before we started here and you showed me some of the, the cool technology that is here and is available to people. So video editing, there's a VR suite, there's some 3D printers and you showed me a really cool project with the, with the Nerf gun, the laser Nerf gun. But also you said about it's not about the technology, it's about the problem solving. So why is it about the problem solving rather than the bits of gear and the bits of gear just being tools? 
Yeah, well, really, for somebody to come into a, a makerspace or, or any environment where there is some very, very cutting-edge technology involved, the excitement about that, using that technology, is very finite. So if I wanted to, if I go back to maybe when color printers came onto the market, and the first time I saw a color printer, I hit the print button, and then I spent about 20 minutes watching the, the inkjet go back and forth, back and forth, and it came out with a flat piece of paper with a color on it. And I thought that was amazing. <laughs> of course, after two or three of them, I thought it was pretty darn boring. And now, of course, we take it as granted. You just yeah. hit a color button and it comes out. So technology for the sake of technology doesn't keep people's interest whatsoever. What keep, pe- keeps people's interest and makes them think deeper is by having problems in the real world that need to be solved. And being able to develop those problems and, and have people think about those problems is the key to applying the technology that we have in a, in a long-term sense. And as technology evolves, so maybe next year we'll have 4D printing, the problems are still going to be the same, but we can apply new technology to those problems. So it's not about taking technology and just using it as it stands today. It's about thinking about the problems and then using the technology that exists today to solve those problems. I guess that really comes down to empowering kids and and young adults. So the the centre is for 14 to 25-year-olds. So really empowering them with that critical thinking and that desire to be creative or that freedom to be creative. It's a really cool looking space as well. And I think space has a lot to do with learning as well in terms of, is it a relaxed space? Is it engaging space? Is it a, is a, is it a collaborative space? And, and I think you have some cool little sections around there that I'd love to sit in and play with. Yeah, and the space is really set up, for, the YMCA set it up so that it is a space that, that young people can come who may not have access to this kind of equipment or this kind of technology from their institution that they might be in. So they might be at high school and there might be an IT lab or a, or a sewing textiles type lab or an art, art lab which they can access. If the person has left school or is in between high school and university or is looking at, at getting out and doing some entrepreneurship, there's a big void there, and there's a big access problem for these young people to actually access stuff of this scale. So we set up the space so that not only the technology is there, but it's also a really nice place to just for, for young people to come and hang. So we have uh, you know nice couches and, and a kitchen there and a bar, and it, it, it just allows people to come and spend you know, 20 minutes or four or five hours and be comfortable in the space. So yeah, you're right. The actual atmosphere in it is is really geared towards a nice relaxing space, but still it's a very open and wide space. So we do get a collaborative feel so that people who are working on the VR can also look at the people who are doing music and maybe collaborate together and and cross-pollinate each other. Do you see quite a bit of that cross-pollination? If some people come in with their own solution to a problem or a problem they want solved, uh, and they come in themselves and they think they're going to solve it themselves, but then they find, after talking with the others, you end up with this really nice sort of cross-pollination of ideas and, and skills. Yeah, there's a lot of examples of that going on, and, and, and I think it's early days for us to, to get that to fruition, but an example is, you know, one of our members is quite artistic and and likes to do jewellery, but 
She doesn't have the, the technical skills to understand what is possible. So having some of the other people who come in and are interested in electronics or interested in the laser cutting and showing her the possibilities of what can be done with the technology that's around is great. And, and if you look at a workplace or you look at some of the universities, they're very, very specific areas of what technology is available in those those particular things. So this space, we've got anything from textiles to VR to music to electronics, and it just allows that that flow of, of knowledge between all those different disciplines. That's really cool that there are so many different technologies available in the one space. Looking at a lot of the innovation hubs, and if you think purely from a commercial or Silicon Valley style point of view, there really isn't anything in that middle zone. So I think this really fills in that 14 to 25 and not necessarily commercial focus. Whereas a lot of the innovation hubs, you go with an idea and it's got to be something that could be commercialised potentially. Or now it's let's raise some money. And I think that that cripples creativity sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. And I think the people who come to the 4C Centre are a wide range of people. I said this person who comes in who's interested in the jewellery, she's actually an entrepreneur. She comes in, she experiments with different types of jewellery, sells it online and at the markets as well. And then there's other people that just like to expand their horizons a little bit more. We also do a fair bit of work with teachers and non-government organisations on upskilling their employees to start them thinking about how do we get this project-based learning idea off the ground? Yeah, it's often a contrived problem in a school setting as well, rather than let's tackle a real-world problem. It's we have four weeks to do a project. Here's the imaginary problem. Solve our imaginary problem. It's, it's terrible for everyone, but it's not actually that terrible. It's, it's not actually a real problem. And I don't think you'd get, certainly in my experience, you don't get that genuine engagement and that enthusiasm like I guess you would see here when you have someone who, who's coming with a problem that is their problem, they're like, I have to solve this and I'm looking for any which way to solve this and I will try anything to solve this uh, almost. So to take that even further, I mean, the contrived problem in, a, in an artificial world, students will not get engaged in, in that um, to, to some degree. Uh, they, they get engaged in it from a learning perspective, uh, they want to learn out of it, but actually most people like to contribute to something that makes the world a better place for, for others. So even taking a problem that is huge, is larger than the students and the teacher or the, the person who's, in, who's doing it, is, it can, can effectively do in a period of time, whether it's a term or a semester or a year, but embracing that problem and starting on the road of that problem, not only will engage the students saying this is a huge problem that we're trying to solve, which is cool, but it also allows the learning to be extended to the next year and the year after that and the year after that. And the problem can evolve over those sort of time frames rather than, as you said, a short-term small problem that really is very contained and will not evolve over time. So a good example would be if you are developing a, a problem that uh, maybe doesn't have the technology available today to solve that problem. If you look at it from a, a two to three to ten year time scale, then you know potentially you could solve the problem because the technology will catch up to what, what you need. Absolutely, and, and I am basing it off a movie, but the, the movie The Current Wars, which is out at the moment, Tesla has this theoretical idea of how he's going to harness 
AC power. And so it's still a theory and a theory and a theory. We know today that the harnessing of AC power has, has enabled everything we have today and that, that's automated, that's powered by anything. But it was a theory at that point in time and it was a working theory. And if he just said, oh, well, it's, it's all we have, I'll give up, we wouldn't have power as we have it today. So it's interesting that, yeah, being able to empower young people today to think, even if it doesn't work right now, the possibilities down the track is think about how you could solve that. I, I love that philosophy. Yeah, and I think if you can also, in an organisation like the YMCA or at, at schools, where you can tell students, okay, this year we're going to be doing 10% of this, this project. In five years' time, when that same student comes back to the school and says, this is what I did. I did this part of the project that you're finishing now. It's a really cool story. Yeah. Because uh, it does reconnect the, the alumni with the current students. So certainly for the projects that I, I worked on back in Australia, that was a really, really nice part of it where the people would graduate, they would get into either business or, or university, and they would come back and give back to the project that was continuing on what they started. How do you see that evolving with the centre here? Because we chatted earlier about the growth and development and really engaging community, a wider community in this space. So I think the problems that we can develop at the 4C Centre are finite. There's some art projects that I'd like to do. There's a video wall project I'd like to do. There's a tree that we're building uh, over time. But again, they are finite, smaller projects. And if I get them done, it's not going to change the landscape of Christchurch. Yeah. It's going to look cool inside, but it's yeah. not going to change the life. But if we start to look at uh, organizations like the city councils, like the ECAN, which is the conservation organization in Canterbury, and go to them and say, hey, look, you know, we would like to attempt to solve one of your big problems. And then bring them here and then start to partner with the wider community out in Christchurch, whether that's universities or libraries or schools or businesses, and be able to, to chunk out some of these problems to these different organizations and then have the 4C Center as the glue that brings all these organizations together and delivers the, the solution back to the, the original shareholder, uh, stakeholder, sorry. Absolutely. That's really good vision for the, the center. It's interesting that the skill sets that you'd be able to provide for the young adults going through and those experiences as well and contribute to the community at the same time. So there's, so, there's such a rich benefit of those sorts of partnerships. Anybody who is touched by these sort of projects has a great story behind it. You know, I think I talked to you earlier about this UAV Outback Challenge that, that runs in Australia that I've been involved in before. Talking to anybody who has been involved in that project, they can see the ties between the technology that was developed to provide medical, autonomous medical rescue and that competition is very, very strong. So certainly when you start to see things on the news saying the flying doctors now are starting to use autonomous systems to, to try and find people and be able to provide medical supplies to people, that's a direct result from the problem of what the UAV Outback Challenge was designed to do. Actually, I've seen a commercial, I don't know where it's at at this point in time, but I did see a commercial version of that which was essentially a, a wilderness first responder drone. And so it was designed that it, it had mapped all sorts of areas and, and so precise mapping of an area that could be remote, could be within a canyon, 
and then being able to fly that drone in, drop off a wilderness first aid kit or additional supplies, which is brilliant. The chance of, of the technology being as advanced as it is right now, without that learning problem that they presented in the UAV Outback Challenge, that benefits the community are huge just because somebody evoked this problem out there and say, hey, I think we can try and come up with a solution for this. It may not be the best solution, but it'll be the stepping stone to commercial operators to be able to develop something big, and it has happened that way. Just on that, with what you said about it might not be the best solution, that's often the case you come up with an iterative solution. So you solve part of the problem, but you, then you build on that and you find a better way of doing it. How do you work with participants to encourage them to not be afraid to fail, not be afraid to try things that are left, completely left of field to try and solve a problem and then encourage them if that doesn't work to then rethink, rebuild and, and try again. That's a big hurdle for a lot of people. A lot of people want to have the best solution first time around and that's it. But that's not what happens in the real world. So that's a mindset that we're learning through the projects that we're doing at the 4C Centre. That mindset needs to be in place. Say, don't be afraid to fail. Don't be afraid that your product is not going to first time around got to solve the whole thing, it might solve 10% of it. That's a success. The next version might solve 30% of the problem. Hey, that's a huge success as well. We were chatting earlier about some of the work you're doing on reverse engineering a piece of gear. How would you run, say, a workshop with participants of how, how to reverse engineer something to understand how it works? That's a really interesting concept of learning. I think a lot of people take stuff for granted. Things like when you step in your car and you turn the key on. Do you really understand what goes on when you turn the key on and the motor starts. We did a session last week of a bunch of students who came in and I said, okay, well, let's take your phones out of your pockets and let's have a look. How do these things work? They told me that, yeah, you push the buttons, you push the screen and you can phone and you can listen to music. And I said, okay, well, how does that work? You know, how does, how does music actually happen in your phone? And then we got into things like storage and how the analog signal actually gets to your ear sets. So being able to take something that we take for granted and start taking it apart and reverse engineering on actually what goes into each one of these things, I think two things it does. It shows what the complexity is of, of what the thing you're looking at, but it also gives you a really good appreciation of the people that have developed the product themselves. Uh, one of the exercises we did at the school I used to teach at was we used to go to the dump and get one of the huge printers that had been out of date and broken or whatever, and we would cart it back to school and we would have a printer day. And the idea is that we would, it would take a whole day to take the printer completely apart because it's very complex. And then the next day, we would build something new with all the parts to not only see how it went together and how complex that piece of equipment was, but then be able to understand the, each individual component and think about how we can put those things together to make something new. So that was, a, again, a, a, the reverse engineering is, I think, something that we think about creating stuff, but I think it's almost more valuable to, to be able to, to, to step on the foundations that have been done before to understand how things are built right now. What were some examples of some of the new things that you built from a printer? There were things like transformer robots, a record player, 
various weird art things and a lot of heap of plastic at the end. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, again, there's just in, inside something as complex as an office printer, there is just so many different components that can be used to do some really cool things with. What are some of the other projects that are going on at the 4C Centre at the moment? Probably the one that will get started this week is the video wall project, and that's really taking some of the extra screens that we've had. We've had some very, very nice Samsung screens here, but we've got way too many of them. Yeah. Uh, so we've got to repurpose them into a bit of artwork on the wall. We'll take those fancy screens and augment it with some smaller, cheaper screen to really experiment on what we can do with not only display systems but also interactive display systems. So we'll probably inc incorporate some Raspberry Pis and Arduinos into doing some sensing stuff to allow users to interact with, with it. So it's a project that will take artists, technologists, user interface people, networking people to all come together to make it work. Excellent. Well, I'd love to hear how that goes because that sounds like a really cool collaborative project and would definitely love to get some feedback and um, I can throw that in, in show notes later as to and some photos of it when it all comes together. We, we, we will have on the website, we will have project blogs and the project blogs will have day-to-day -day posts on, on how we're going with, with some of these projects and hopefully we can get the wider audience from, from your blog and others having some input into what we should do or with some expertise that we can utilise would be great. Definitely. I think you have a fantastic project and centre going here. And just on that, for teachers who might have students who are quite creative in this area or in the, the surrounds, how would you encourage a young person to come and just to get involved in the centre? Well, it's quite easy. We, we work on a membership basis. You, all you need to do is fill out a form on the, the YMCA Christchurch website. You pay a very small fee, twenty currently it's $20, for a lifetime membership. The trick is, as we come back to the very start, is to come in with a, an idea of a problem that you want to solve. That sounds like a wonderful opportunity for young people in and around Christchurch and really love the work that you're doing. Thank you very much for your time today, Andrew. It's great, great to talk to you. That was Andrew Moss from the YMCA 4C Centre in Christchurch. For more information on the great opportunities at the YMCA 4C Centre, check out the links in the show notes. If you're enjoying the podcast, please leave us a nice review and give us a rating. It helps others to find the podcast and helps us to review and improve the show as well. If you'd like to get in touch or want to let us know about an experiential education program you're running, please drop us a line through the website. Join us next week as we explore more great stories and ideas for experiential education.